0: Chivarella. And who am I?
1: David Bly, and that's how we're starting this episode of You Had Your Chance, the podcast where we bring on people from the industry of film to discuss a movie they've always wanted to see but never got around to doing it. So, just so you know, we're going to get into some crazy spoilers.
0: Yeah, today's going to be a really great episode. Our filmmaker today... Um, how did I want to phrase this? I thought of this on the way here. Um they call him Mister Tucker. Very <laughs> anyway. good,
1: very good. That is a Catherine Hepburn, Sydney Poitier mix of.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: they call him. <laughs> I think uh, of you more as Catherine Hepburn than I think of you as Sydney Poitier. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, call me Mister. T- anyway, uh, today we have on an incredible filmmaker. I've known him for a good amount of time. He's given me so much work. Uh, <laughs> Mister Kevin Tucker, welcome. Hello, Kevin. Hi. David and Nick. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good. good to have you? you. Yeah. No, I'm excited to be here. Um, we've, uh, we've worked together. You've given me work in the locations department.
2: Well, I have given you work in the locations department and the, in the acting department. In the acting department. And, and I am yeah. uh, <laughs> on one
0: of the most realistic, disgusting horror films I've ever <laughs> Oh my God, I heard about scenes. this. <laughs> there was a, a short film called Ideal that, please tell us about we we'll talk about all your other films, but. So the,
2: the idea of ideal was that, uh, that it's at a photo shoot with a model and they're having trouble with the model or like, you know, they they don't know why it's not working, quote unquote. And then they're they keep trying to like take off her clothes and things like that, and then they're finally just like, actually, you know what, can we just like cut a little bit off of you? And then they lay her down. Literally, literally lay her down with a scalpel and they start trimming. Parts of her body, uh, off, parts of her stomach off, and David was one of the one of the crew members, yeah. and Leah was the person who got to trim the model down. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty gruesome and pretty fun, and a weird, definitely a weird movie.
0: Knowing how it was made, how the like prosthetics were made, and seeing it just like glued this piece of plastic rubber glued to the the actor's body knowing that it was all fake. It was very gross in person, but it was like, oh, this is, it's just fake blood and everything. Then watching it on the screen, <laughs> it was so disgusting. I was, we, Leah and I were fascinated how nauseous we were watching. <laughs> it was done so well. That movie is hard, to I think harder to
2: swallow than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask you. Like, like, is that
1: a success for
2: you as a filmmaker and that type of thing? Okay, so what that movie did that I am very proud of is that <laughs> <laughs> is that when you watch that movie in a theater with people and some person gets the humor of it because it's kind of structured like a comedy and and is and leah is so funny in it and like and they're all it's you know about the kind of like weird daily routines of being on a set and like how everything just kind of like weirdly seems normal even though it's crazily not normal so some people in the audience start to kind of get the humor of it and start Mm -hmm. laughing at it And then you kind of watch people catch on and like, they don't know how to react to that sequence when they're, when like the gruesome sequence, because they want to throw up, but they also are like laughing at it a little bit. And it's really uncomfortable. And like, uh, that is 100% the feeling that I was going for. And like, not, not everybody likes that, having that feeling, but like, I, (laughs) It was successful to me, and yeah. that I got the thing mm-hmm. that I was going for, and like that—that that was so. It's
0: it's really fun to watch with people. That's um, the screening I was at, the entire audience was like gasping, but also yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. A perfect. <laughs> reaction. But like,
2: I do think that it's been a hard movie to promote other work because it turns so many people off, really? and like, yeah, because people just like the people can't. I can handle that kind of gore. Sure. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay with that. And like uh, other people, like some people just get like they shut down with that kind yeah. of
0: thing. Um, you know, <laughs> um, share with our audience a little uh-huh. bit about yourself and your your path through the filmmaking world.
2: So yeah, I uh, I made a feature. X number of years ago, mm-hmm. which we won't talk about. Um, Please, the unidentified. <laughs> it was yeah, the, it was called The Unidentified. Uh, I made it right out of college and uh, got like, a little distribution mm-hmm. here and there and things like that. And then basically since then, I've been doing shorts and web series and trying to get some larger projects off the ground. Right. Um, and Ideal was like a thing to try and get a, another feature that kind of... Hard movie with the fashion industry off the ground, and now yeah. try to get something else off the ground. So what was that?
0: It was called, we did the. It's called Spare. Spare. Yeah, it was also really awesome. I remember <laughs> That bathroom scene where they like, it was she like passed out. We'll I'll cut this out. Just but like, wasn't it just like she was like dead on the bathroom floor or something, or someone was like, there's unconscious? There's a there's days. a lot. There a lot. That movie's weird. And anyways, I was at this reading, and Kevin brought the best cookies I've ever had. He, he like. <laughs> Coaxed us all with cookies and it was yep. an incredible script and mm-hmm. the best cookies we've ever had. which was better the, Scri- script. the script the script sorry that's right that's right <laughs> and a, i'm a good I'm a good answer I give good answers <laughs> okay and so now you are working on something new right now. I am
2: working on something. I'm actually just putting the final touches on a short, uh, which is a kind of horror western y horror movie that is it's a proof of concept for a larger piece, which is a like southern gothic supernatural thriller about Reconstruction era America. So that might be the perfect segue yeah. into this Yeah. So let's uh, I have chosen your...
1: In the heat of the night. In the heat <laughs> of the night. I, the first seconds of that movie is the title of the movie. I which was is amazing. I was definitely <laughs> surprised
2: by that. I was like, "Oh, this is the, they're That's going the for this title." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I tried to sing along with you, and I couldn't not do the Brian Adams version in my head. Yeah. It's not the same song. It's just the same title.
2: Well, they, I think they wrote that song for the movie, so they were like, can you write a song and make sure that it has the title of this movie? Because I got like, you. A, I'll yeah. put it in the
1: first <laughs> seconds of the song, too. I don't want to <laughs> It's the same. The movie starts out like that just has it in the title. That's funny. Um, so, okay, so uh, why did you choose this movie?
2: Okay, so I actually, uh, this is not a movie that I always wanted to see. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a movie that I kind of was, like, aware of that it existed, and I didn't know what it was about like oh, really? i didn't okay. know i knew that it was like sydney poitier and and like one of his like seminal roles and mm-hmm. things like that but like all of the images that i had seen of it was like him in a suit and i thought it was like i thought it took place in like new york or california or something like that and he was a cop and i was like oh there's some murder and it's Sidney Poitier. but th- like as i was kind of like i just got the criterion channel or uh, and yeah. and like i was scrolling through things and i saw the description of it and i realized for the first time that it was about the south Mm -hmm. and 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 i was like oh because i'm i'm really really interested in like the american south and civil rights movement and I was like, how did I not know that that's what this movie is about? <laughs> right. Like made in 1967, yeah. like at the height of the civil rights movement. I was like, how have I never seen this movie? And so it's, it's a great choice.
1: I mean, it is definitely one of those movies that I think a lot of people have not seen that have heard of and know a lot about. Just, or
2: like
0: knew that it was a TV show also.
1: Right. They know it as a I didn't
2: show. know that. I mean, like I saw that when
1: I was doing some research. Yeah, and like 10 years, right? Or eight yeah. years, nine something like very successful. Is show. there,
2: I didn't look too much into it. Is anybody in the movie also in the show?
0: It's like Carol O'Connor and I forget the guy's name. I don't know, I, it, like I forget either.
1: But they play the same characters. Yeah.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. And what, Virgil Tibbs is just like hanging out in the South now. It's like now That's, he lives in the South I, I for like 10 years. I, that,
1: I, could you, yeah, you'd think he'd get by year 10, like ready to get back yeah, to it's like, Yeah, no,
2: it's, it's time. Yeah, <laughs> know, but, I, they, The police, the,
0: my, office, my, yeah. my boss called and he wants me back <laughs> in Philly. <laughs> to jump right to the end, it ends so abruptly. Yeah, it does. Right? And we'll give a spoiler right away. Let's, let's like talk about what the movie's about for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's about a murder of a billionaire in Sparta, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And the wife of the billionaire, who's also a billionaire, they're both billionaires. They share an income, share a bank account. It's also her money. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> a, this is not relevant to the plot. Anyone who's listening, <laughs> like this is about a bank account meeting. <laughs> and they're just trying to figure out the finances in the heat of the night. Let me go to sleep. We'll talk about the finances in the morning. Uh, yeah. So they're trying to figure out who it is, and they one of the cops in the station sees a man in the train station. Sydney Poitier, Virgil Tibbs, and just presumes, because he's African-American, that he must be the guy who murdered the billionaire, takes him to the police station, and they find out soon enough that he's a cop in Philadelphia who was just there to visit his mom, and he's passing through town, and they keep making the wrong assessment of who the murderer is, and Virgil Tibbs is a homicide expert in Philadelphia and helps them solve the case. At the end of the movie, they solve the case. Virgil Tibbs figures it out, but as soon as they figure out who it is, the movie ends maybe fifteen seconds later. Yeah, but they have it. He goes. He yeah, he goes the to the train, the train and, and it's yeah, over and is like. So there's absolutely should be a television show because like <laughs> what a what a meaningless ending when they could have had so many more interactions together it's like I could absolutely see why there was a TV show
1: literally what is it um, Gillespie is that the name of the yeah or some guy
0: called him Gillespie he said uh, yeah he
1: goes thanks thanks and then he gets on the train and he goes hey Tibbs and you're like oh here's the moment that's just gonna drive it home this is gonna be the, the quote of the movie and he goes Take care. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: he smiles and just gets on.
1: So and, so. and I was like, that's what you got? That's all you can muster after all that. <laughs> that's all they could do in 1967.
2: Right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't make too big of a statement.
0: <laughs> Take care.
2: Big wow. time. I mean movies, I feel like movies used to just end. I was watching The Fly the other day, not to get that's, too far that's off. That's one of my favorite I love The Fly. I
1: love that's one of my favorite movies.
2: For that reason. For that because she just, like Gina Davis is just like, bam, she shoots him. Not to spoil too many
1: movies on this podcast, but she like shoots him and then yeah. it's just like Roll credits. The movie starts, and he's at a party. He's like, hey, come check out my thing. And the movie's, like, right in it. And then yeah. the movie is insane. And then the movie ends, and then that's it. Yeah. it um, there is no fat in that movie.
2: <laughs> and there's, I feel like people didn't yearn for, like, the little epilogue scenes like they do now. Like, it's, it was just like, like oh, the, yeah, re- we fo- solved King. the mystery. Yeah. Like, why, is, why, why do you need to know anymore? <laughs> that's true. So one of the reasons that it was never a movie that I pursued is because, like, I feel like a lot of movies that are about race... In the '60s, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they don't hold up, and like, and like, because things that were very like progressive then are just kind of like, oh, oh, that's very, that's normal yeah. now. And it's like, I was shocked by how well this movie actually like held yeah, up. Yeah, I agree. I thought that there was a lot of stuff that was very like astute and well observed mm-hmm. about like you know the like social order of the South and like Sidney Poitier is a fucking. Badass man,
1: like I was in love. I fell in love. I fell in love. He was incredible. Just, but in his in his like still quietness, he was a badass. He
2: he, like that entire movie. He spends simultaneously looks like. He's absorbing all of this hate and is about to like cry and also about to punch everyone That's in the exactly face. Exactly, and it's like, and you can just see it all in his eyes. And he has this kind of like measured dignity yeah. where you can feel this rage. And I can imagine seeing that in '67 and being like. That is exactly the thing, thing that I feel. He, and like, you are me, Sidney Poitier. Yeah. And like, he but is also,
0: how so do you amazing? not punch that guy in the face? How do you that's not? Like, well, how
2: are you doing this? That's, but that scene, that's why that scene is so amazing. That's, it. okay, so in the, in, uh, he goes to the rich guy's <laughs> house <laughs> in this scene, and they're yeah, kind of like, Endicott. Endicott, Endicott. yeah, yeah, yeah. and the rival billionaire. The rival billionaire, yes, which which I want to talk about because that I thought that that was such an interesting storyline, and I'm a little sad that they didn't pursue it. But like the Endicott thing, um, he he goes and and Endicott is actually very kind of cordial to him at the beginning, and he's like showing him his orchids, and they both kind of they're bonding a little bit, and then Sidney Poitier more or less accuses him of murdering this guy, and Endicott. Slaps Sidney Poitier in the face and like, without missing right, a beat, right. Sydney Poitier yeah. slaps him back in the face, and it becomes this thing where people are like, Whoa, we didn't know that you were going to hit. Like, we want you to solve this murder, but we don't want you to slap our billionaire in the Like, the guy who runs this town in the face. Right. And Sidney Poitier is kind of like, Sorry,
1: not sorry. Yeah. Also, <laughs> the guy struck a police officer. Yeah, like, exactly. In a normal
0: world, <laughs> like, that they guy bring would it be up. Arrested immediately or in the normal maybe even shot
2: no but like that's yeah. that's the thing is that is that in i feel like in that world when that movie was made like what the guy says there's a scene about it later where the mayor kind of pulls the police chief aside yeah. who's the police chief is so good in this movie but like he and he's like the last police chief would have shot him and called it self-defense and like that is yeah.
1: true absolutely that is true and i
2: feel like a lot I, I feel like the kind of like social norm that everybody knew i feel like it was a big deal at that point to have Sidney Poitier slap that guy back Absolutely. in the face. Like you did not see that kind of, of thing happening. Sobbed. Yeah. That, that <laughs> yeah. was my favorite
1: I, <laughs> I think that was my favorite. one of my favorite parts of the movie. I laughed, belly laughed when I saw that because it was so over the top but also mm. so like like he turns around and he starts crying from it could be from like a emasculating, being emasculated. It could be because of the way the state of the world and how he's not allowed to like hang this guy anymore. Right, right. Or just like a complete,
0: like he just. Or that it was a very good slap. And it hurt. hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and he
1: starts crying, mm-hmm. folding, while meanwhile the city board is walking out to his car, like completely fine. And then Endicott's
0: the guy who works in Endicott's house who's holding a tray of lemonade... The black guy. Sh- yeah, yeah, shakes his head at Endicott because he said, like, I would have shot you, I would have hung you like, if in the old world. And, like, the guy holding the lemonade was just, like... He shook his head at Endicott, and I I have to believe that it was, like, a... Uh, how dare you say that? Like, See, I didn't know that you were. I. That that's
2: interesting. I read that in such a different way, a and I thought it was so are. interesting because I thought that that was that. Like, I thought that like the kind of subtlety of that was like that. That guy saw that happening, and you kind of like. I mean, he has no lines, so you're making a lot of this up. Yeah, as he just it is. shook his head. Vigorously. But it was. I thought it was a kind of like. It was a like he was like siding with Endicott's, you know, it, it, on this kind of surface-level like thing, and all way. like, yeah, 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 totally. Or, like, uh, I mean, but, like, it's all just kind of, like, I mean, he has no line, so it's, like, yeah. made up. But I thought that that was, the, the space that the movie left for that interaction, I thought was a really interesting wow, I can't choice. They, yeah. um, and so I, the Criterion DVD to, nice. to or the beautiful Blu-ray. Beautiful cover. It's a great cover. Oh, I mean, Criterion is like there. Their yeah, their Criterion is great. magic. Um, but like they, like, so I watched a lot of the special features, and apparently that was not in the script. I mean, it was eventually in the script, but it wasn't slap. in the original script. He does not slap him back, and oh. Sidney Poitier was like, "I would slap this person back, and if you don't let me slap this person back, I'm not gonna do this movie." Wow. And they were kind of at first, they were kind of like
3: i don't know we many of all people
2: were like well we shouldn't have (laughs) him slap this rich billionaire plantation owner but that's the thing i mean the thing that they they kind of bring up is that like that black stars at the time were not really able to to do the things that traditional leading men were allowed to do it's like oh you have this you have like you have this black lead character but like You can't really... You can't kiss anybody. We can't have him, like, kissing white women or anything like that. Or we can't have him, like, you know, winning this... Like, slapping this guy back. And, like, anything else that any other... Like, a John Wayne or something like that. John Wayne would fucking slap that guy in the face. No problem. Um, But, like,
0: when... And the guy would fall over and he'd
2: be like, Oh, what a hero. Yeah, exactly. But, like, when you... like, And I think that that is what was really, must have felt really revolutionary about this movie, is like, this was a movie, like, you, there are not that many movies, I don't think, that are like, this pointedly about race in America and in the South, that, that like, yeah. and, and th- th- this was at a time when it was like the height of the Civil Rights Movement, and I feel like that is, like, I, I, am, I am impressed By I mean I can see why this movie is like seminal in that way, and I and I can also see I I can see why this movie like blew people's minds back then, and I'm also surprised by how well it holds up. Yeah, Yeah,
1: just like the thought that like just even like finishing up on that scene, the thought that went into the initial cordial attitude, which I was a little taken aback by when that scene first started. I was like, oh, he's being very nice to this person, giggles and
0: talks about his flowers, all that stuff. But then you
1: think you're like, and I've seen a lot of other movies do the same thing in civil war era but mm-hmm. pre-civil war with the slaves and like a lot of times like these plantations they'd take them in and they'd be very nice to them mm-hmm. almost to kind of butter them up so that they'll be good slaves you mm-hmm. know what i mean like really as a tactic and when he saw that he could not control this person he started to cry like it was the, which i thought was this it was from top to bottom an amazing scene for that reason and,
2: and because you kind of know Sydney Pot is is like put it, the context of him in that scene is, like, it's, you know that he's a really good police officer and he's kind of better than anybody else. Yeah, right. And, like, that's, like, you're you're very much on his side of ruining her because of that. And you kind of see the way in which he, like, he's kind of leading this guy on a little bit. And he's kind of, he's oh, kind yeah. of buttering up to totally. Endicott. he's doing the same thing. Like,
1: and, and he's, like, and he's trying to... Yeah, Indigo takes it, like, yeah. oh, this is working just like it always yeah, does. You know, but right. he's being completely <laughs> had. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah, yeah. that. That's so true. <laughs> um, and yeah,
2: so like, so, and also, also that the, Rod Steiger is.
1: What a great um, character. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Chews gum faster than anybody has ever chewed oh gum. Oh my God. His jaw was up and down 30 set times in a second.
0: Like He's killed all the flavor in that game. All the flavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Within like a minute of putting it in, all the flavors. Gone. I've never seen somebody chew gum like that. <laughs> that was the first note I took about Did this movie. T- there's so many other. I More think I wrote Rod Steiger chews gum like the wind or something. <laughs> <laughs> also, does a double slap on one of the young toughs where he grabs his collar and I like – Double slaps back and forth. That looks like it's in a video game. Yeah. <laughs> You're, who are you? Backhand, front
1: hand. Yeah, it was an amazing. Think I feel like that's
2: a, a very stuff. film noir thing. That's like yeah. like old forties movies. Like yeah. I don't
1: I don't understand.
2: Like oh, they would do it to, the, used to, to, the, to the women who hit were, people that
0: way, where like,
1: when the women were freaking out,
2: the right?
0: Guys would grab them slap <laughs> on the face. It's like a hockey fight thing where you like grab the top of the jersey right. and like punch it by holding the jersey. Oh you really? Guys can all see Is this, that a right? thing? Everyone out there, you can see this. Yeah. But I wonder if they do like. If they like trimmed in between the slaps, because there's no way that you could slap someone that fast. And Sidney <laughs> Poitier's slap back to Endicott was also too fast. It's like a stop motion thing where they mm. may have just like trimmed out some frames oh, to right. make it look like. There's. Was, I was the surprised thing.
2: by how much kind of experimental quote-unquote, experimental stuff there was in the movie. Because I think of it as, like, it comes, like, right at that time in Hollywood history where it's, like, where the old Hollywood was kind of dying. And then it, like, came out the same year as, like, The Graduate and Bonnie and Clyde, which is, like, the, the, like, moment where things shifted in Hollywood. And I think of this before I saw it as being a kind of old Hollywood movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, like, when I saw it, I was surprised by how... How it seemed much more in line with a movie like The Graduate or Mm, or Bonnie and Clyde. It felt kind of formally, and it's like formally like a little bit daring, and also like, and it's like all those seventies like the people involved in this movie, like Haskell Wexler shooting it and Hal Ashby editing it. Like I was surprised, Quincy Jones, Norman Jewison. Like I, I didn't know that it was like that level of talent behind the camera after
1: movies shifted. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. Um,
2: and I don't think that this movie gets. Credit for kicking off that shift, but like it really seems like you know, the so all of the very character driven, socially minded movies that followed feel like they could have been, you know, th- this feels very much in line with all of those movies, yeah, totally. Um, rather than like the Cleopatras and the things that, that, that Hollywood was generally making yeah. in those in that 60s era,
0: I'd be curious to see if the TV show does address similar issues in the south or if it's just like a procedural. Yeah, because it was like mid 80s it started, right? Yeah. It was like almost 20 years after. But that. like all of the issues that are discussed in the film are still prevalent today. I oh, mean, very like, much. Yeah. Even especially with like body cam footage that is like in every single headline now, where like mm-hmm. we're seeing that there's so many corrupt police officers that mm-hmm. have been planting things or whatever. Had we had that back then, it would have been a lot easier too. But like even with that technology, we're seeing it's exposing the things that this movie was trying to shed light on that why was Virgil Tibbs incarcerated? Yeah. Just to prove a point. And then, like, just sign the damn waiver when they, they tried to get him out of the thing. It's like, just go along with the flow.
2: But I thought well, the movie surprised me and how quickly it navigated away from that. How it was right. like, because it's that one scene and he's basically like, I'm a police officer. And yeah. they're like,
0: oh, you're like, a police officer. He's like call, my, those, call, like, call my captain. Young racist kids were, like, chasing him down, yes. down the road in, his car, in their car and multiple times, and I thought the most fascinating part of this movie was the kind of stakes that they built in, in that, yes, they had to solve this case because his wife was like, find the damn murderer or I'm going to pull the factory yeah. out of this town. So there's stakes for the town. There's stakes for the police office, for, the, for Rod Steiger and his team at the Sparta Police Department to figure out who the murderer is just to like be good cops. But there's also stakes that if Virgil Tibbs doesn't solve this case in the next forty eight hours before he does get on the train, he may be murdered. Right. By yes. these, these like racist kids who Steiger is just like, get out of here, you had your fun. And right. It's like That's just right, right. business as usual. But like he may be murdered in if he doesn't figure They're out. They're all trying time. to
1: get him on that train so he wouldn't get murdered, yeah. as though that was like this perfectly accepted thing. Yeah. So like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then you also talk about too the the stakes of Tibbs or the motivation rather, yeah, which I found to be one of my favorite scenes of the movie when Gillespie is convincing him to take the case and to, to, to not get on the train, which was like almost a crack in the character of Tibbs, like he did unless I misread that scene, he found a reason why he would do it, which was like your ego. Like you need to bring us down and I know you do. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing here? Like, of course you're going to want to solve this case. And he walks away and Virgil Tibbs is like, God damn son of a bitch. And he, and he (laughs) He slowly follows follows him away. And you're like, man, that is a crack in the character because, which was beautiful. Like before that scene, he has this, like we were saying this, like um, intense stoic, stillness where you're like oh this guy has everything under control but that scene makes you makes it very aware that he is burning with rage mm-hmm. and needs to expel it in the only way he knows how which he can't punch everybody he can't yeah. shoot everybody <laughs> so he has to solve this case that's the only he has to way prove that he's better he, than everybody he can else yeah. he can justify <laughs> what was his
0: mistreatings from the beginning yeah, of the yeah. movie while people are trying to actively murder him yeah. right while he's doing it right. while he's trying to bring good to this town
2: yeah I thought the um, I thought that the choice of, I mean, like it's it's based on a book, and it, uh, apparently the book is somewhat different in that it's oh, really? it's in, it's set in Pasadena, so it's like he's like a Pasadena cop. <laughs> How is it and the like, same? California? Yeah. How is that yeah, anything yeah. the And same? so and they decided to. Uh, so I don't I don't know much about the book because I but like what, as I was it's listening about to a camp counselor the, uh, the, <laughs> in the heat of the night. Some of the behind the scenes stuff. Just a right? hot summer
1: camp,
2: <laughs> um, but like. So I don't know if this is a thing in the book, but I thought that the choice of having the, the billionaire die—I mm-hmm. thought it did all of the right things for that movie, and yeah. I like it kind of captured this idea of the town, this town like a little bit in flux, and it like the like the murder carried weight for everybody, and that like this Sorry. person was going to bring jobs and this person it was going to change everything, and it was it reminded me a lot of Chinatown, mm-hmm. where it yeah. was like you, and this is this is we'll, we'll start to get into my. Problems in the movie here, but like (laughs) this, this, it was a way the murder felt like for a while. It was going to be kind of irrelevant, but it was going to be a MacGuffin to like investigate all of the like racism and like social hierarchies in the South. And I think that it did that for the most part, um, and it especially did that. I felt like for the first hour of the movie, but I was really disappointed that they didn't kind of pursue the plot line of. Endicott and the way that the power that the, that this guy coming into town who was going to build this factory that was going to then start hiring African-Americans that were going to then like change the makeup of the town and like that to me felt like a really interesting story um, versus this guy who runs the town currently which is this like plantation owner basically and like this very old South you know the power structure and you know that guy who can kind of like turn the violence on and off at will and is like you know he's in charge of everything and people are scared of him and i thought that they abandoned that very quickly and i think that it happens at basically that moment where the guys are chasing uh Virgil Tibbs yeah, around comes right like after. like i was kind of like I understand why they're chasing him. I understand that's that scene. I understand that that happens a lot, but like it felt like they just kind of threw us into that, and then at that point it can't, that scene comes very soon after the Endicott scene, which I thought was the high point of the movie. and they kind of move it kind of moves away from talking about that to a pretty like standard who it kind of yeah. procedural. Yeah. And the person who ultimately does it, I felt like didn't actually do anything to really challenge the character either of the characters and like and like kind of put them out of their element or make them make difficult decisions that I felt like would or or even really reflect the ideas and the themes. Of the movie, like I thought, I I really liked the scene where he kind of goes and he finds the woman who is uh, who performs the abortions, and Mama. I thought that that character yeah. was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I was also like, there's a certain point in which they start going off on that search, where he's like, oh, I think I know who did it, and he's like, oh, I need to find the person who does the abortions in this town, and then he kind of goes and searches for that, but there's never. I don't know how he made those connections. I don't know like He's yeah, he's just the homicide
1: expert and like it becomes was, almost like a TV like a CSI yeah. episode. Yeah. And
2: whereas something like Chinatown, I feel like the murder and the crime eventually mm-hmm. kind of takes a back seat to like the character drama. I thought that this movie, the the who done it element was always a little bit too much at the forefront of this movie. And I really wanted it. I wanted the storyline to go a little bit like, in order to solve this murder, he has to disrupt the whole social order of this town and take down this guy. And I was disappointed that it didn't go in that direction. But I also don't know. I mean, Chinatown didn't exist at that point, so I like, <laughs> could have
0: inspired. Yeah, a different take I, on I wonder it. if the, I somebody wonder had
2: if the same watching reaction. Watching Chinatown, yeah. yeah, they were like, they, you know, they were watching. You know, whenever you make a movie, I feel like you just like watch all the movies that are like your movie, and you're like, what did they do right? I do? Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I want to do it this way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, I felt a little bit lost in the movie towards the second half of it, and I did not like it as much as I loved. I loved that first hour of the yeah. movie, and then I felt at a certain point uh, it kind of switched over into like I still liked it, and all the performances are incredible. But I was a little bit like,
0: why isn't this going in this direction? Yeah. That it was. We're like, not spending a lot of time with any of the characters anymore. It was yeah, like everyone ended up being a cameo, like Mama, the yeah, lady who performed the abortions, and Endicott, and even the woman who was getting the abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like brief appearances.
2: And I'm still kind of unclear as to like why the murder even happened. It was just kind of like, oh, it was this guy. Did he
1: did he need money to perform the abortion? Was going to knock this guy out and rob
0: him? I think he needed a job at the new factory. Okay. He the the guy. Yeah, but why didn't he knock him out and kill him? Because I think I I think he then just wanted money for the abortion. Was it? I think
1: that's what I took. Because at that point, he knew that he had gotten this woman pregnant and knew he was in a car with somebody who had like a lot of money and thought, I just thought if I knocked him out,
0: oh, right, and yeah. I think he
1: accidentally killed him and took the money oh, and then used right, some of that right, money right. to pay off the girl to, so that she would explain that it was this other guy, Sam, the cop. yeah. And and it turned yeah, and and He like, didn't mean
0: to kill him. He just meant to like tap him on the head. Tap him on the bit. head yeah. and take, yeah. take all his <laughs> money. And
1: take $900, yeah, probably, yeah <laughs> To help pay for the abortion, Yeah, I think. So I, but again, what difference does it make? Like, yeah, to yeah, your yeah, point, yeah none of that mattered at that point because you're you right it becomes just classic who done it and anything could have been the no it could have been anybody in the town yeah. and it
0: wouldn't have changed the themes of the movie which is wild that it ended so abruptly mm-hmm. because that's a perfect opportunity like you were saying a little epilogue type of thing yeah it could have just like retouched on the bigger issue that we're yeah. talking about here but it's like, no, we're just going to solve the, the crime, and, and then we're going to get on the train, Yeah. And, hey, you take care. Yeah. And
2: <laughs> take care. It's like, we're kind of friends now, and that's important because, yeah. because I am I'm racist, white and, and you're – Yeah, exactly. I'm and racist, I'm little, and you're black. I'm a little less <laughs> racist. Now I'm a little less racist. But well, I'm still getting you out of the town. Let's,
0: yeah. talk,
1: let's talk about Rod Steiger's character and like how he changed throughout the movie, because I feel like, of course, out of anybody, he was – The quickest to well he needed he needed tibbs right Mm -hmm. like he definitely needed him to solve the crime so that was his initial motivation he does i think change a little bit after getting to know it's kind of classic right he Mm -hmm. like gets to know him and he changes one little detail that i loved so much was when tibbs is trying to get out of there and he couldn't the gate was like stuck and he goes (laughs) i'll get it i let me get it let me get it and he opens it and then he's like, almost like two scenes later says to a guy like, I thought you were going to fix that gate. Uh-huh. And I took that as him being embarrassed that he, they have such this crummy establishment. Yeah. And he was allowing himself to be embarrassed by this black man who was made more money, who was more talented. Oh yeah,
0: so much more money. So
1: much more <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah. And like way, and way more good, better, way better at his job. Yeah. And like, I love that. Just as fast of a slapper. Just, <laughs> just equally fast as yes. slapping. Yeah, he's never met anyone they, with as quick of a time. I would love to see a slapping. Oh, a slap off! A slap two? off between the two of them. <laughs> just like it's like, a slap off between pigs. You would just see blurred legs. hands throughout. <laughs> but I, I love that. I love that little detail of like, get that damn gate fixed. Like yeah. we are a rinky dink operation, and this amazing man is here. Essentially, is what he's feeling yeah, and thinking. Yeah. Obviously, can't express that. You know,
2: yeah, we're and blessed to have an expert in our right. It was very complicated. It wasn't like, oh, this guy is the bad racist sheriff. He was like, he's playing this thing the entire time, where he's like, kind of in awe of this guy, but like, kind of trying to hide it and mm-hmm. also like, and jealous throughout the movie. He's like, constantly either like he switches from being on Sidney Poitier's side mm-hmm. to like wanting to throw him out. Like, and watch like, it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And he like, doesn't know watching him navigate that. Thing uh, like wanting to like do the job that he's been setting out to do and realizing that he needs Sidney Poitier in order to actually do the job because he's so much better at this job yeah. than he is but also like you know being a racist but also needing to kind of protect him from what he knows the town is and like having the know, awareness yes having he certainly army. has the awareness
1: of the state of things yes and knows like he probably in his heart doesn't want to kill this man because he's black like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But he does let it happen. And mm-hmm. he does, but like, yeah, exactly. And then the... I mean, those guys are chasing him
2: and then he kind of meanders in and it's just like... You've had your You've fun. had your fun. Like, he, yeah, like, he like kind of lets him like, go. like, whoa, away. guys, stop. Yeah, it's he's like, like come on, looks at his watch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and all right, that's about enough. And the guy stands up and like sasses him back. Yeah. Slaps the first one and then gut punches the other guy, and the guy's yeah. like, "Ow!" It's a great like whale. He's like, "Ow!" He's running on
1: But like that, that constant back and forth doesn't let up throughout, even till the end, because there's the wonderful scene in his home where he says nobody's been in this home, my home before. Most beautiful, scene. right? And, and he is opening up and becoming vulnerable, and just like the set, like the second. Sidney Poitier matches him or meets him. Yeah, he snaps Smash right out of it. Right. He goes, "Get out!" Like he just I like don't need your pity. Boys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he yeah. like he can't allow himself to get too chummy with this
0: person. But Sidney Poitier is so shocked mm-hmm. by that like yeah. sudden change in tone. He's like, "I'm in your home. You just said you've never let anyone else in here. Where yeah. you're giving me like your whiskey." You're, like, sharing about your insomnia, and you just turned on me, and he looks at him with, like, that same sadness you're talking about, and, like, yeah. he's not going to punch this guy, but, like, don't summon that rage in me right now. I mean, here yeah. at home. Like, what are right. you doing? Why are you, like... We're finally, like, yeah, you're having a drink together. Yeah. Like, why, <laughs> why did you just snap at me? Yeah. But he does that all with a silent look that is, like, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Also, something about the, uh, that gate you're talking about, the, like, opening shot of the movie is, like, someone swatting the fly. Mm-hmm. Sam Woods, Swatting the Fly, and then right after that, after like uh, they catch Virgil Tibbs in the train station, they bring him in, and Gillespie, Rod Steiger, is fidgeting with the air conditioner that's broken, mm-hmm. and he has somewhat of a pompous confidence about it, like he can fix it. Don't worry, but he hits it. He hits the broken air conditioner. It's super hot in the room, and then he realizes that. Virgil Tibbs is a cop, and then he's embarrassed about the air conditioner. Then the billionaire's wife is there, and like he's embarrassed. He's like, it's so hot in here. He's like, it's, sorry, it's broken. He keeps having to apologize. The, the leather couch in his office has a big piece of tape yeah, over like, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. It's just like he's embarrassed about his entire mm-hmm. office, his entire town. It's just like this is the, the hand I was dealt. And when he's in his house, he's just like, the town hates me.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Like, No yeah. one
0: wants me to be doing this job. They're not They'd- helping me like – Set up an actual office. They made a good job of kind of
2: making him into a little bit of an outsider in the town as well. And they kept, like, the guy kept mentioning the other sheriff that used to be there. Yeah. And, it, like, it made him. It, 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 Somewhat they, sympathetic. There was, yeah, totally. I mean, like, I thought that that was a really interesting. His character in general was the was one of the more interesting parts of the movie to me, and in the, in the way, the kind of subtleties that they managed to navigate with him. And I, I really like Norman Jewison. Like, I don't know that much about his work, but yeah. like, there's a certain type of director that I feel like doesn't necessarily get a lot of credit, which is the just the person. Who can tell the story and like is kind of an actor's director. They don't put too much of a stamp, their own personal stamp, on the movies themselves. They tend to work in a lot of genres. I think that Hal Ashby is very similar to that, which is interesting because he edited this movie and I think was kind of a little bit of a protege, or like was super or, like good friends with Norman Jewison. And like, but like they're so they manage to kind of disappear into their own work a little bit yeah. and let the actors in the story take over whatever personal stamp that they would usually put on it i like watching the work of those directors even though sometimes because they don't put their personal stamp on it i don't actively seek them out i'm not Mm -hmm. like oh this is a norman jewison movie i need to see this but like but like hal ashby is one of my favorite directors like i love all of the work that he uh, all of the you know being there um but and he is someone who i feel like is kind of like that
0: he did Harold and Maud. Harold I just, Mod, I just yeah, had yeah. the shampoo. I uh, recently had a breakfast with Bud Cort, unintentionally. <laughs> what? <laughs> unintentionally? I met a buddy for <laughs> breakfast at a place in Silver Lake. Uh-huh. And uh, my friend frequents this diner very regularly, and we were sitting down and having this conversation with an elderly gentleman named Bud. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just, like, an older guy talking about the heyday of Hollywood as if, like, oh, okay, sure, <laughs> for sure sure. Mm-hmm. And then at the end... He left, and my friend was like, "You know what that is?" I was like, "No." It's like, "Bud Court," and I was like,
3: "What? The fuck? That's <laughs> amazing." He's like,
0: he apparently goes to that diner four or five times a week. I That's think amazing. about that
1: scene of him in Life Aquatic so frequently when he says, "I'm also a human being." Like when they guy, <laughs> do you remember that scene that he's like getting put down, and he goes, "Hey, man!" Like and calls this guy out. <laughs> I was like, it was just. I, I think about that maybe once a week. That scene. <laughs> um, that's the great thing about in the heat of the night is it's, it's pretty cut and dry. Like it's that like just to your point, like yeah. I mean, there's obviously like underlying themes, but it's very in your face what those themes are. Yeah,
2: right? and I think I think that that's something that those that that era of filmmaking was very good at doing, um, which was taking the kind of the genre elements of things that we all knew like police procedurals or like noir with Chinatown and and then adding a kind of like social conscious element to it and like and you know the fact that the cameras were just like they were getting smaller and you were able to do more just you know documentary style stuff that the fact that they shot this on location not actually in the south because Sidney Poitier did you know that, that no they, okay so they shot it in Illinois because Sidney Poitier would not go south of the Mason Dixon line because he was almost killed by clan members when he was down there for like civil rights movement purposes um so he would not do it and they had to shoot one scene in tennessee and but it was the endicott scene where where they go to the plantation and there were there there was a cotton plantation in tennessee so they had to go there to shoot that scene and apparently while they were shooting they were staying at this hotel and there was this like white guy that was was that it was the only hotel that they could find it was like Holiday Inn or something like that that they could find that would allow a like mixed race film crew to be there, yeah. um, and while they were there, a guy was like roaming around like looking for his girlfriend or something like that and banging on doors and screaming at people and things like that. He was drunk, and Norman Jewison who was staying next to Sidney Poitier like calls him up and was like, "Look, just don't come out of your don't come out of your house or don't come out. This could get really bad. Like stay stay inside the room." And Sidney Poitier was like look, if that guy comes to the door, I'm going to fucking kill him. And he was (laughs) sleeping with a gun underneath his pillow. Oh, (gasps) my God. (laughs) And so, like, that feeling of that movie and, like, the place is definitely there. Even though it's not actually the South, it sounds like they got basically as close to the South as they possibly could have uh, without actually being South of the Mason. It was
1: not that long ago. Like, Jackie, my wife, and I were talking about, like, is that... Was it really that bad back then? Of course it was, and I think there was also it's still that bad now in some places. Like yeah. that, that, it's crazy. These there are pockets of our country that are still like that. Anyways, yeah. we can go off into that, but that's a whole other thing.
0: That scene with Lee Grant, who played Colbert, the billionaire's wife, when she just finds out that her husband has been murdered, and she like doesn't want to be touched, and it sort of feels like she doesn't want to be touched by Tibbs, but she doesn't want to be touched by anyone. And then she like finally lets him touch her, and like she then craves a hug from him. Yeah, yeah. And she's like breaking down. She's like, I just need to be alone. I need to be alone. Goddamn, that was a powerful scene.
1: It was great. He was there the way, and he, the exact way she needed him to be there. Totally. She, he was like, if you are going to faint, if you are going to break down, I'm here, but I'm not going Like, like, the, his performance in that scene was amazing because it was so, on watching her every slight move just to make sure he ate because he's aware of the line that he could cross especially yeah. as a black man alone in a room with a white woman all those things and then when she says i love too when she says i need to be alone just walks right out the room yeah doesn't say anything doesn't mm-hmm. like can you know like pat her on the back nothing just gets up and leave and and so then that-
0: gillespie comes back he like leaves the office gillespie comes in and virgil tibbs is just like i told her that her husband's dead. Or right. take care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, thanks. And it's a and it's <laughs> another
2: it's another example. They do a lot of really great things. That is an example of it, and the scene with Ed Dicott is an example of like really showing why he is great at his job. Like as I was watching that scene, I was like, oh, this guy knows how to break really horrible news great to someone. Bedside manner. And like, yeah, great bedside manner. And like that, yeah. like oh, that must be that is a part of that job that I don't ever think of. Which you also
0: don't expect from his character, because he seems so analytical, where he yeah. like understands that the guy must have been slapped from the right by a 17-degree yeah. Right. yeah. Just from feeling the jawline and the toes, which, listen, I'm going to start feeling my jaw that way, because that looked sensual, the way he t- <laughs> rubbed Colbert's... Yeah, uh, anyway. I do, yeah the, dead, the dead body scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm Dude, I, do, I, do. <laughs> I rewatched that scene a lot. Steamy. Very <laughs> good. Neither than that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but the way he just breaks the news is very, like, in one end it could be cold, but it's the best way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your husband is dead. He was killed. We don't know who did it yet. Like that's We're what he says. Out. We're mm-hmm. gonna find out. And then is there for whatever. yeah, and
2: be, and 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 because of that scene, like it's not just that it's showing him be great and have better bedside manner. It affects the plot enormously because she becomes his like advocate and like mm-hmm. she is yeah. the one who sets the ultimatum of this is the person who's on my side and this is the person who can kill you know right. the person who killed my husband and like she is the reason that he stays otherwise like they're they can't they're very they're very good at like constantly giving him reasons to go and then finding a way to like bring him back in and so he's able to constantly kind of play that thing where like Kind of wants to be there to like show everybody that he can do it. And like also, you know, he's a professional and like wants to find the guy, but also he wants to get the fuck out as soon as possible. There is the other
0: element though as to why he stayed that Gillespie touched on in that the new factory was going to be giving a lot of jobs to a lot of black people. Mm -hmm. And if they don't figure out who killed Colbert, She'll pull the factory out of the town, and that'll be a lot of lost jobs for a lot of black people, Mm -hmm. which is why the racists didn't want the factory to come, and they wanted to kill Colbert, and they wanted all this to not happen because they don't want to have an influx of new people coming in, new African-American citizens or whatever. But he all of a sudden realized, if I don't solve this murder, I am putting a lot of Mm -hmm. black people out of work. Yeah. And then they just totally abandoned that storyline. Yeah. <laughs> they just totally abandoned yeah. Well, then he just solved the murder. He's like, all right, you know, I have this. I'm only going to focus on solving the murder. Oh, he,
2: he got killed because the guy needed money for abortion. Case closed. All right, see you. Yeah. I'm getting on this train. This <laughs> In the heat. <laughs> yeah. Would, would, um,
0: would calling someone a pie hider be uh, a good insult?
2: A pie hider. Pie hider. Like that, a, a that, fat guy? No, no. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like a fudge. Pack. It's like a, a
0: pie hider. the guy who committed the murder. He always hid pies in the diner. You're right. He's a pie hider. Uh, oh, right. He
1: kept pulling it out, and the guy left. He's like, I got it. <laughs> that, that was a that was a
2: subplot that, that I, here, like, I, I didn't it didn't pay off. Have you the end. Ever heard that term before? <laughs> no. I check out this pie. As you're leaving, I got a whole pie. That was a
0: great move, though. Because he knew that everyone else was coming in, and he knew that Sam Wood, the guy who like, was the creepy assistant deputy or whatever who like, creeps on the woman who needs to get an abortion mm. and creeps on her when she's naked in the window, knew he was coming in with all of his like, superiors and would want to have pie but not be able to. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to put the pie on full display, and he's not going to be able to have it. He's like, God damn it, I can't have that damn pie. <laughs> That's friggin' pie hiders. <laughs> pie dr- <laughs> that? That's a pie drama. Also a murderer. <laughs> also a murderer. <laughs> Didn't mean to do he- it. Feel free to call people pie hiders now from here on out. <laughs> you like, like, a because <laughs> <laughs> One who hides pies
1: or consumes them and that's how he's hiding them? <laughs> um, so one thing we always ask, uh, our guests with mm-hmm. this movie, had you had seen it when it came out? <laughs> or when you were of of younger age, um, would this have affected or influenced you in any sort of way in the way that you uh, are a filmmaker?
2: You know, I think that's a good question. I mean, the feeling that I got from this movie was not necessarily one of like, like there are certain movies that I watch that inspire creativity, that, that I watch and I'm just like, oh my God, I need to make something. Like it gets at something that I'm just like, okay, now I have to, Somehow talk through movies, and like I, I feel that way about pretty much all of Paul Thomas Anderson's work, um, and Terrence Malick, and people like that. This movie did not do that to me. Mm. I think I like this is a very solid movie that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, I, I think that I've always been really fascinated with the American South and the civil rights movement. So like I do kind of wish that I had seen this movie earlier because I think that it's so interesting in the context of that and does so much good work there just aren't a lot of movies that are like it that is able to deal with the subject matter particularly by white directors that are like that managed to navigate the subject matter so well and i think that that's one of the best things that one can say about it Mm -hmm. like legitimately that uh, yeah like that's uh, that's like so i i wish that i had seen it earlier because of that Mm -hmm. um but i don't know that this is a movie that i would watch and be like I want to make I I now need to make a movie that is that is like this one. Although right. that said, I am always drawn what mm-hmm. as I said one of the, my favorite things about that era of filmmaking is the way in which it was able to take genre films and add a layer of kind of social consciousness and a real attention to detail, uh, to like character detail, um, th- that I think that this movie does, and it's in a whole stable of movies that I that I feel that way about, and that are my, some of my favorite movies because of that. And I think that I, you know, I I totally should have seen this movie earlier, but I don't know that this is the kind of movie that like that that coaxes something out of me. Sure. Yeah.
0: So, you hate it? So, I hate it. So, I. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not enough gum chewing. Yeah. (laughs) Too much. Yeah. More gum chewing. Needed more gum chewing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Something we like to ask people is uh, if they feel like there were any side characters in the movie that you thought would be a great spin off
2: movie? The woman who performs the abortion. Like, there
0: should be a
2: a, a movie about that woman. Like, the woman who. The black woman who, like, lives at the edge of town who white people come to and like pay large sums of money in order for the, her to cut a child out of the, or yeah. like a, yeah like that's her, name, her name's mama insane. Call, call me mama <laughs> like what like they should have pursued that in this movie yeah, as well like it's
1: an incredible cuz it was character. like this out of nowhere character too. yeah yeah out well it was
2: nowhere. weird because he was just like Oh, who performs the abortions in this town? Or like, what? Well, he uses some euf- euphemism. For Where does it, somebody like, want to go
1: if they want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And then, but like, I don't know how he got there. I, like, it's so weird to me how he's like, oh, clearly the person who took this guy's money and killed him, like, they must have needed it for an abortion. It's a very kind of out a of the way thing. He wants with that guy, Packy. Yeah, he
0: hangs out which, the pool hall. which
1: which which, which Packy was made out to be this horrible racist. He's not going <laughs> to yeah. talk to you. <laughs> And then Packy shows up and he's like, "Hey, you need a ride? I got everything you need.
3: Like he's <laughs> just perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, your tips. Uh, what do you need? Uh, what do you got? I'm t- I'm Packy. I'm the nice Packy guy. Yeah. It was just really. They also, set of up.
0: Spelt P-A-C-K-Y. I thought it was like they were calling like a Pakistani guy Packy. Oh. and then that's your race. Yeah, I you you right. <laughs> but I was like, wow, they really that's in like, y- that's good. in you. <laughs> You just tried to console me by patting my arm. It's fine.
1: It's fine. I did. And then I realized it's not going to come through. And you don't need it. You racist. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
0: What are you going to (laughs) do? I love that scene in the prison also where the guy, what's the, the guy that they arrest for the murder who like pickpocketed the. Harvey, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Love that guy too. Yeah, me too. Love that guy. Would love to just see a movie in that pool hall with a bunch of those characters. Cause like when the guy was like, would you bring me a cheeseburger? I mean, yeah. Like Sid- Sidney was like Wanted to see that scene, too. With onions?
1: Yeah. <laughs> with onions, Getting yeah. And the cheeseburger? Yeah. yeah. Love. Wanted Love. to Love. see Love. the enjoyment of Harvey eating that cheeseburger.
0: Does that make me a terrible oh, person? I thought you meant the scene of Sydney Partey ordering, ordering the, the cheeseburger. Season. Oh, and get some onions. With too. Yeah. I <laughs> want to
1: see him walk out of the restaurant and be like, ah, This is not for me. The onions. This is <laughs> for a prisoner. <laughs> Walks back in. I'm so sorry. I forgot the onions. But Packy will be there, and he's the one who works there, and he'd be super nice about it. Yeah, it's
2: so Paki was the guy, the guy who was like creeping on the woman. Who, no, was, that's uh,
0: Sam Wood, the the deputy officer. Okay, Packie's the guy that just picked. He.
2: It was Mark. a weird. They all kind of just like blended together. Yeah. After a while, into yeah. this like the like brother, crew. like all these
1: people started showing up. Thin,
2: like gaunt, racist people. Yeah, thin, all, gaunt, uh, racist. Yeah. You're
1: totally right. And yeah. Packy, like it was like that added fifth, like ten minutes to the movie
0: for kind of no reason. Because Harvey knew. Because I know how to get. I, yeah, he knows. Do you the, know someone who would know where to get an abortion. Well, he goes.
1: Do, do you yeah. know somebody who? Where does somebody go to get an abortion? I know a guy who does know where this. I know the person, yes. and I know who, guy who knows where to. And find And I will the person. only tell you if you get me a cheeseburger. Uh, okay, great. So then, he, yes. So then he he gets the guy to come tell him. where Like Packy was an unneeded character. Let's totally. be true. Why couldn't he just say, "Here is where this woman lives? <laughs> totally. totally. And then Packy
0: <laughs> drops him off at the woman's thing. you want me to wait here? No, you can go. go. What, are you <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? How are you going to get home? That, yeah. People are trying <laughs> to murder really, you. On the outskirts of town at night. This is a nice guy who gave you a ride. Yeah. I've been chill for <laughs> him. He's got nothing else to do but boat. He offered.
1: Pool. He's like you. You don't, offer, you don't take things that people offer you because you're, you're too nice. That's how nice Packy is. I think Packy <laughs> yeah. is God's gift to man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure he's racist too.
0: Yeah. Um, I believe now is the time. Now is the time to bring in our resident film expert, Leah Rudick. Uh, are you familiar with Leah Rudick, the film connoisseur? Tell me a little bit more about her. Oh wow, she's. Uh, I feel like I've
2: heard the name, but I'm not. I like it's oh, one well, of the people i very. Surprised I'm you actually very... have film in your, uh-huh.
0: your uh, film path, but yeah, she's an iconic film critic. Mm-hmm. Um, she well,
1: she's her. currently ghost directing Avatar 2, 3, 4, yeah. and I think five. Oh, wow. uh, she's yeah. actually
0: there on set every single day. Uh, she's gonna be calling in from from set. Um, right, James Cameron, he's phoning it in, and they he, had to call in Leah. He was
1: to... a little too out of his league, I think. Yeah. so they yeah they, they called her in. Obviously, this isn't she's not gonna get credited, unfortunately, but she is directing all the Avatars now. Yeah,
0: Leah also uh, is the voice behind all the the dubbing of uh, Ingmar Bergman's mm-hmm. films. Uh, did all of the I voices. only watched those movies dubbed
2: yeah. so I guess that's where I've heard yeah, her. yeah she
0: she writes the English translation for it uh, because she studied under Bergman and uh, he discovered her uh, but then so quickly realized that the student is the master um,
1: <laughs> absolutely and she yeah she recorded all the like
0: every voice, every voice. Yeah. yeah it's she's a uh, she an presario and she um, I believe recently
1: just won the Nobel Prize for movies Yeah, yeah, which has obviously never been given out before, but they did invent it for her.
0: Once, I would think maybe they'll never be able to give it out again, but it's probably that she's just going to keep winning it year after year. I think (laughs) so, yeah. Wow. Uh, We're so lucky to have Leah uh, be a part of our family here. Uh, Leah, let's hear your excellent take on In the
4: Heat of the Night. Greetings, cinephiles. It is I... Leah Rudick, your in-house film expert. I'm so excited to be here. I was delighted to find out that the movie for this episode is in the heat of the night. Uh, My interest was piqued to put it mildly. Um, As we all know, In the Heat of the Night is an art house classic with a true cult following. And by that, I mean, it is essentially a pornography film. The film was written and directed by the famous French director, Jean-Luc Godard. It was his not many people know this, but it was it was actually his first attempt at quote unquote American cinema. And in an interview with Godard, when asked what his inspiration was for making In the Heat of the Night, he said, I wanted to make <laughs> I wanted to make an American film with hot dogs and hamburgers and lots of sex and that's what he did he cast mary kate olsen and antonio banderas opposite each other and you know i i have to say that that chemistry truly does leap out of the screen an unlikely pairing but somehow it worked the movie was shot on 35 millimeter film all in one take and if you've seen it you know that it follows the couple over the course of one steamy night in st louis not too much dialogue in this one mostly just a lot of gasps and heaves but you know you couldn't ask for greater actors to make these sounds Apparently, Goddard was an absolute nightmare to work with on this film. He insisted that there was no AC. It was in the middle of August. So the sweat that you see on screen is absolutely real. After the film was shot, Mary-Kate Olsen said that she was done with her film career. And you know, her career slowed down after that. Truly a departure from Godard's earlier canon of films, which mostly include, you know, kitchen scenes and slow moving dramas of all kinds. I mean, there is nearly penetration in this film. I have to say when I was exposed to it as a young girl, it opened a lot of windows for me. And by Windows, well, I think you know what I mean. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Don't show it to your children. This has been Leah Rudick with your expert film critique. Signing off.
1: <laughs> Whoa! What can be said? That um, was
0: expert, expert critique. I mean, expert film. is a understatement. Yeah. Godlike, goddess-like, goddess-like maestro. God yeah, uh, wow! Thank you, Lee. That was uh, a riveting take on this film. What was your favorite part? What was your favorite part? What was your favorite part of, of her the critique? critique? <laughs> oh, uh, just who knows? I don't know. She recorded me. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I loved. I loved uh, her take on the, the, the sound and the tone of, with the, the intimacy between the characters when they get really yeah. intimate with one another. And it was
1: the way she said it, too, yeah. that I liked. Um, Leah, I don't know why you keep
0: coming back. Um, I know you have a lot of things to do, but yeah. we really appreciate it. We're just a couple of lowly pie hiders. Yep. And we appreciate you just <laughs> gracing us with a little bit of your, a, little, uh, uh, a, a pinky finger of your wisdom. Uh, well, Leah hides no pies. She hides no pies. Hides no pies. Puts them on full display (laughs) in the window. Um, Anything else we'd like to discuss with the movie? You guys want to practice gum chewing for a moment? I think we're going to go watch the sequels now. Yeah, oh right, there's a couple sequels. There's, there's two movies. sequels. There's two, I only know one. Do you know what
2: it's called? I know that, I know they call me Mr. Tibbs. Right. Is one. Yeah. And what's the other one
1: called? The organization, both starring Sidney Poitier as Virgil Tibbs.
0: In San Francisco. <laughs> in San Francisco. Which is, I wonder if they're more closely linked to the book if I it took wonder. place in Pasadena, if they were more California- yeah. Yeah, cop It stories. feels like
2: it's taking away the real... Yeah, like,
0: meat, and the meat and Potatoes. It's just so a cop well, movie now. Although, yeah, although it sounds like well, that's what the book was, is that it was... I,
1: I don't even know, like... He the, goes to liberal <laughs> San
0: Francisco. <laughs> but taking on, like, uh, corrupt organizations. So it's sort of is like that Dirty what Harry, Harry, Harry that you were saying right. earlier. Dirty like,
2: Harry is a weird movie. Totally, I've never seen it. But this that is like, movie is fucking fascist. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Like it's
2: weird to see that movie right now. You're like, oh, oh, this is this is the world that those people want. So he just like goes around shooting anyone, anyone.
0: Oh, who's the star again? <laughs> oh. Oh, right. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. oh.
2: Right. I only recently watched that movie and I was like, oh, it's gonna be a good action movie. And I was like, I no, this is, I think it was speech. supposed to be a like it was maybe written as like a satire or something like that, and it, and it like it's yeah. yeah. Eastwood was like,
1: Sounds great! <laughs> Sounds great. I love this. I love the earnestness of yeah. this <laughs> film. Cinema very tailored. Um,
0: also, I feel like those movies are probably like a Beverly Hills Cop where they probably spawn the, the life of Beverly Hills Cop. Sydney Poitier and Eddie Murphy are yeah. just the same, <laughs> Axel Foley. Exactly Just Virgil Tibbs Axel they Foley They call me Axel Foley. <laughs> I can do it I can do it uh, I think uh, I think we did it
2: I I We did it. made it to the end
0: Yeah uh, Kevin Thank you so much Thank you very so much fabulous. For coming it was a pleasure. on it was a pleasure. Uh, Please come a on again fun. I'm yeah. sure you have Other movies Are there any other movies That you Off the top of your head You're like oh, Man I gotta see this
2: so I've never seen Escape from New York, which I'm. I really kind of want to. See. I missed the '80s. I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies as a kid. Mm. My parents were very strict about it. So like, I grew up in the '80s, and but I I'm like culture like the '80s to me is like I don't understand the culture at all because totally. I never participated. In it. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, I, I really. Am I
0: think I saw
1: it once I'm and was it. very disappointed. Really? I just also I felt that way with Big Trouble in Little China, I'm, which I've also never seen. I saw that and I was like, oh god, I don't know. maybe that's just I think people will hate oh well I'm glad
2: we didn't see that movie
0: Um, anything uh, you're working on currently you want to plug or anything I'm just I'm finished up for short it'll
2: probably go on the festival circuit sometime next year and then yeah
0: well you'll come back on please we'll talk about that movie when it's ready and uh, yeah thank you so much for being here this has been awesome yeah bye see you guys god damn it I can't have that damn pie (laughs) That friggin' pot hider. <laughs> <laughs> <By dirt work>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh.